You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez here. Happy Thursday. I swear today's a national holiday. MLB opening day. Astros first game is tonight. You've got day one of the Masters. NBA's coming down to their final stretch. I mean, what, what more do you want? College football? The final four happening all at once? Producer extraordinaire slash co-host with the most, James Mesh. James, how's your Thursday going, buddy? Not too bad. Had to wake up early, but I mean, I've been pretty energetic all day. You had to wake up early, but you got to come see me. So, I mean, that's not... That was a treat in and of itself, right? Sure. We'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> so. Hey, and we, we went and get lunch together. We did. We did. We also we, did have an experience with that one lady. Oh God, <laughs> we we did we. Piece of advice to everybody listening, especially the people that are driving right now: do not hit your brakes at a green light. It makes people angry. And also, pay attention. Right. Stay off your phone. Go. Stop text. Stop Rex. I think that's what the commercial says. Yes. We got a stacked show for you today. We're going to talk some Cajuns baseball getting their revenge last night over Louisiana Tech. We're going to talk some Cajuns softball dropping a heartbreaker to McNeese. We will talk some Pelicans. We will talk some Astros. We will obviously talk the Masters. There is a NIL deal in place for the LHSAA. We'll dive into that. Uh, Jay Walker will join us for his weekly segment coming up at 430 at 5.15, Robin Fambrough of the Baton Rouge Advocate. She will join us to talk about that LHSAA NIL deal. And then Kara Ritchie from Jonesboro, Arkansas will join us at 5.30 to give us a preview of the Arkansas State Red Wolves before this weekend's series. Go take a look at our poll question on Twitter. How do you grade Tiger Woods' performance today? At the Masters. Tiger going one under, birdieing 6, 13, and 16. However, he did bogey 8 and 14 to put himself at a 71 for the day. Not a bad performance. Uh, he finished day one tied for 10th. So not a not a terrible place to be. But again, you know, you take those two bogeys out, you're at three under, you're in second place. You know, you you're really working with something there. However, only being three shots behind the leader after everything Tiger has gone through in the last year, I don't think he's too upset. I, I think he he won't complain about that too much. James, you're a basketball guy, as am I. But l- l- let's talk to Pelicans game tonight against the Trailblazers. What do you like? What obviously the Pelicans have already locked in a play in tournament, a play in tournament spot. Yeah, however, they're still fighting for the opportunity to maybe host the one of their elimination games. 
do you see them beating Portland tonight? I, oh yeah, I I definitely see it at this point because Trailblazers are trying to get as good of a pick as possible at this point. They they've already gone into tank mode. I would consider they they haven't won a game in a while. The Pelicans are still fighting, so I don't see why the Pels couldn't win by at least double digits by at least ten twelve points. Interesting. Yeah, and you know I I don't disagree. However, I think. Brandon Ingram being out of the picture that does that does hurt. I'm not gonna lie that that will hurt. <laughs> have you seen the spread? I have not recently. Minus sixteen and a half. Yeah, that for the Pelicans. I'm see. Hard, I don't know. It's hard to take that because you don't know about Brandon Ingram. You don't know how much that and, would. And affect. also, you don't know about the NBA in general. If like, anything. The thing is, Portland actually kept it really close last time. The Pels won by 10, and that was with B.I. on the floor. Right. I'm kind of feeling under on that 16.5. I would would definitely take the plus 16.5. The over-under is at 223. I would go over on that. I would go over on that. I mean, if you look at the Pelicans... Well, the thing is, the thing is that the last time they did play the Trailblazers, the Blazers shot 42 three-point attempts, and they actually made a good bit of those. So I don't know if I can expect to see that again. In the Pelicans' last five wins. Well, they only made 14, but still. In their last five wins, they have scored 115, 110-plus. 126, 116, 117, 114, 123. So, I would take the over on that. Uh, phone lines are open, 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Also, in case you're not in a car, in case you're at work or you know wherever, you can download our app, 103.7 The Game or 104.1 The Game. Download our app. You can stream us anywhere you go. So you never have to miss a moment of RP3 and Company, Footnotes, Jordy Holtberg Show, The Jim Rome Show, anything that plays on this station, you can catch it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter where you are. So download the app if you haven't yet. James, are you diving into your uh, to your mock draft today? You want to talk about it? I mean, we can. I saw, I saw it in your rundown, so I we were going to wait for that for the next segment. No, we are. We're just we're just going to tease people a little bit. Oh, okay, okay. Um, what was I going to say? Now I have to pull it back up. What was I going to say? <laughs> so tell me, in, in your mind, so for the Saints, mm-hmm. before we dive into the mock draft, let's talk about this. <laughs> okay. Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Apparently, they're talking about a reunion. Yeah, I, I had heard about that. Where do you where do you stand on that? I mean, I'm fine with it. We'll finally get that deep threat. <laughs> yeah, we've and the thing is, we've seen we've seen Brandon be the number one option for other teams, and it they've gone kind of far, but they haven't won. So imagine Brandon Cooks is your number two, and you bring Mike back. People are worried about. Well, we don't know if he's healthy. I, I remember hearing multiple reports that. He's in the Saints facility, and he's healthy. Right. Same thing with Jameis. Jameis, in his 
media availability Zoom that we that he had like a couple weeks ago, I had a soundbite ready to go, and he was like, "I'm going to be ready for training camp." So right. I I don't understand what the big hoopla about all that is, but I mean, as far as I know, based off what I've heard and what I've seen, they both should be fine. I I just don't get what the big deal is. Brandon Cooks, I think, will have matured by is mature by now because remember he wanted to be that wide receiver one. He did it other places. He doesn't have that ring that he like I'm sure he wanted. No. So I, I feel like he's matured a little bit. He's humbled himself maybe a little bit. And he's realized what happens when he play when he doesn't play for Drew Brees or Tom Brady. Right. He he's had to play for Davis Mills and he's had to play for Jared Goff. Jared Goff. So, right. I I think I don't think he would be mad at coming back, especially yeah, I mean, since he is familiar with the Saints system. It's not like the the Saints offense has changed a whole bunch. We're we're knocking we're knocking Davis Mills, but Cooks did have a thousand yards last year. He did, and I'm not saying Davis Mills is terrible, but like he's he not, doesn't. He's not Tom Brady or Drew Brees. He's not. He's not top ten. Right. He's not mill. He's not even middle of the road. I would consider. He's still young and he's still unproven. So as far as I know. He's definitely a downgrade. Right. In his career, 573 catches, 7,917 yards, and 46 touchdowns for the Oregon State wide receiver. So let me ask you this. In, in your opinion, if he comes back to the Saints, is this would that be his fifth team, or would it still only be his fourth team since he's played for the Saints already? It would be his fourth team. Because, I mean, he's only played for Saints. He's only played for Patriots, Texans, and Rams. So it would be his fourth time on the move. But it and would that, still be and his And that's crazy team. to me. It's his fourth time on the move. He's been in the league eight years. Like, I mean, that just shows that obviously he can't be – he's not that dominant number one. He's not that he, – he can't be that guy. And that's why him being the number two – and being that deep threat for Jameis Winston would be really good. Trey, I'm totally fine with trading that that 19 pick that they just got. Go ahead, trade. Right. Go go get Brandon Cooks because he's still only 28. Yeah, he's 28. Yeah, like he's and he's still a speedster. Like right. he's gonna be speedy for the rest of his career. He just won't be as fast. Like by the time he's 33, 34, I would say the only thing that would worry me is the fact that he did take a couple of concussions while he was with the Patriots and... I think he got one with the Rams. And he had one or two with the Rams. I can't remember any with the with the Texans, but still that is something to keep an eye on. Because oh, I, yeah. I, I do remember in my mind knowing that Brandon Cooks has been out a couple of times because of concussions. And we, we have seen some... We have seen some careers where they are cut short, like Luke Keekley because they had too many head injuries. Right. So that is, that is something to monitor just in case you are to trade for Brandon Cooks. And remember, he is familiar with the system and Saints love familiarity. As does anybody. Familiarity is crucial. But it's it seems to be more of a thing for the Saints. Right. No, they they like agree. they like close to home people. I agree. Let's take a time out right here and when we come back, we will dive deep into Mesh's mock draft. The first of four coming first of three. I've been corrected. First of three coming between now and the real NFL draft on the 27th, 28th, 28th, be the 28th. 
Don't go anywhere. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Golf's first major is a tradition like any other, and you now can bet on who you think will go home with a green jacket on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get 30 to 1 odds on 2015 champ Jordan Spieth, four-time major winner Rory McIlroy, or 2020 champ Dustin Johnson to make the cut at Augusta. That's right, if any of those players make the cut, you win big. I really like Rory McIlroy to to complete the Grand Slam. I really like Jordan Spieth to finish pretty well, and I like Dustin Johnson to finish in at least the top 20. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook and take a swing at betting the first major. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app using promo code KLWB to get 30 to 1 odds on Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, or Dustin Johnson to make the cut at Augusta. That's promo code KLWB. FanDuel Sportsbook, official sports bank partner of the PGA Tour. You must be 21 older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. New users only. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. If you want to bet on Dustin Johnson making the cut, I don't think you have anything to worry about. DJ is currently four under, tied for the lead through 11 on day one. Now, granted, he could still have a monumental collapse and you know fall off, but day one's usually one of the harder days. So if you if you can set yourself up well on Thursday, and then Friday is your moving day. Could have some fun in Augusta. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. James Mesh, it is your time to shine, bud. The first edition of Mesh's Mock Draft. Go ahead, dude. What you got? I mean, where do you want to start? (laughs) I mean, you tell me. It's your mock draft. I mean, we could always go. I mean, we could always talk about those Saints picks. Uh, for me, I had the Saints with their first pick at 16. I have them picking Bernard Raymond, the offensive tackle out of Central Michigan. Okay, now why Bernard Raymond over Trevor Penning? It was honestly back and forth between the two of them. I know the Saints usually like to go smaller schools, I guess you could say. You don't know them as much but I, I know that Bernard was kind of slightly rated higher it ultimately comes down to what the Saints rate who 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 they think is higher but I had Raymond just slightly over pinning that's that's ultimately why I picked him that's fair that's fair what about 19 at 19 I did go with a wide receiver because to me it makes sense to get a tackle and then get a receiver we especially since you're worried about the Chargers getting one too because it feels like that's the only one that they need at this point is just getting another offensive lineman. So it makes sense to get your lineman first and then go get your receiver. So the top one that I had available, you could go back and forth with a Jamison Williams, but I went Chris Olave with this one since the Saints, they love their Ohio State boys. So to me that one made sense. If if it's going to be between those two and 
let's say I did get the rest of those picks right, it just makes sense to me. So if you look at 30-31, you have two Georgia guys going back-to-back. I do. I mean, the Kobe Dean is obviously a talent, and Louis Cena is obviously a talent as well. But it's very strange and, and very rare that you see two guys from the same side of the ball from the same school go back-to-back. Back. Yeah, and it's definitely hard to pick like the back the back half of the draft because once you get to that 27 and beyond point, it's pretty much just second-round picks. And you would think, based, based off of like certain ratings like using PFF or like a CBS mock draft or any one of those other ones, like you see different players get different rated, so you never know. But for me, what I was looking at was the top-rated linebacker at that point was N'Kobe Dean. And for the Chiefs, at least, they don't necessarily need a safety, and I they just picked a corner. And they already picked up a bunch of wide receivers in free agency. And they have running backs. They could go guard, but, I mean, there's no relevant guards at this point. So, they, to me, they would wait till the second or third round to go get somebody else as a debt piece. So, just going best avail- best player available at that point was N'Kobe Dean. It doesn't hurt for them to get another linebacker. And then the Bengals, looking at it, I mean, they franchise tag Jesse Bates for the second time. They Von Bell's contract is up after this year. So, other than that, they don't really have a lot of safeties in Getting another one just in case you lose one or both of them, getting that as an insurance possibly yep. makes a lot of sense. Looking at your mock draft, you have four defensive players. One, two, three, four. Yeah. Now, I don't disagree with you. I think that's exactly how it's going to happen. I just I find it mind-blowing that four defensive players are going to come off the board before a single offensive player does. Well, that's the thing is there's a lot of really good receivers, but none of them you would consider them a top five pick. Right. The quarterbacks, they suck. The fact that I even have two of them this high is is insane. But, I mean, for the most part, this draft is mainly offensive linemen and defensive players other than the wide receivers. But those, those will more likely not happen as soon as we get into the double digit picks. So there's a lot of edge players that are really good. There's a lot of corners that are good. There's a lot of offensive linemen that are good. And it just so happened that the first four picks, all those teams need a lot of help on defense. So let me ask you this. Why did you pick Kenny Pickett above Malik Willis? I believe Kenny Pickett's more of a – he's the most ready, I would say, out of all the quarterbacks. So if they are to move on from Sam Darnold earlier – it'd be an easier transition. And then with Marcus Mariota and the Falcons, which I have Malik Willis going to the Falcons at eight, the way I see it is you're going to have Marcus Mariota and you're looking to have Malik sit for the whole year and not have him touch the field. You're looking for him to be have the headset on, have the clipboard in his hand at all times. You're looking, you're looking for Marcus Mariota to play. And let's say Mariota does go down. You can always go to the other... I'm trying to remember who the other... You can always go to Felipe Franks, which that's not great, but 
you'd rather him play if you really believe in Malik Wills. Right. All right, who's your sleeper pick in this first round? Sleeper? A lot, I'm hearing a lot of noise about Sky Moore. Okay. I have him getting picked with Arizona Cardinals at 23. They let Christian Kirk go, let him sign that ridiculous contract in Jacksonville. AJ Green's still on the market. So other than D Hop, who he's still really good, but he's 33 at this point, I think. 32, 33. He's getting a, he's getting a lot older. I don't think he can do it as much anymore. They got Rondale Moore, which was a nice piece, but they need somebody else to fill out that room and getting Sky Moore, who I've been hearing a lot of good things out of in a spread offense where they're looking to pass the ball a lot. Get the ball in their playmakers' hands early makes a lot of sense. Going, go, giving it to Sky Moore, let him go, let him, let him make a crazy play. D Hop's twenty nine, by the way, twenty nine. He he just feels a lot older. He's been he's been in the league. So no, long. I agree. I agree with you. Um, but he he when you look at it, since he's gotten to Arizona, especially last year, he's he feels like he slowed down a lot. Yes, he had, he had to carry he those has. offenses in Houston. So we don't want to give too much away of this draft because obviously you're going to do two more between now and the NFL draft, which is in three weeks from tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on in in this first mock draft? Mm, I mean, we talked about the Falcons. We talked about the Panthers. Why not look at the Bucks? The Bucks. Who you got the Bucks taking? I I have them taking David Ojabo. He was he was oh yeah from Michigan. He was supposed to be a potential top 10 pick himself, or at least around that area, but because he tore his Achilles, right. it makes sense to me that Tampa would grab him at this point because there's a lot of good value. Achilles injuries, I mean, we have we saw Quan come back after nine months. Marcus May, as far as we know, he's been doing all right. It's not like he's had a setback. Achilles doesn't seem like as significant as of an injury anymore. Right. It did happen just now, but... It doesn't hurt to pick him up because once he's healthy, they lost Jason Pierre-Paul. And Dominican Sue is not currently on a team, but they need help on that defensive line. They got Joe Tryon last year with their first pick. But getting more pressure once David Ojabo comes back, I mean, right, right. It, would, it would definitely help them put pressure because they have an okay, an okay secondary, but it's nothing great. It's, it's none to really worry about, I would say. So getting more pressure and getting more depth pieces at that point on the defensive side would definitely help them. The only Louisiana guy coming off the board in the first round is Derek Stingley Jr., number 12 to Minnesota. I think that's a good landing spot for him. I think that's a good place on the draft board for him also. Yeah, because Minnesota definitely needs a corner at this point. The only one that I can recognize on their depth chart is Cameron Dantzler, and he's Meh, at best. He was drafted by the Raiders a couple years ago, but I mean, there's a reason why he's already on another team. He's only 22 or 23. So they definitely need help with that position, and if Derek does fall that far, which I don't know if he will at that point concerned he did look really good in that pro day yesterday. But as far as I know, as far as right now, I have him at 12, and the Vikings really need a corner. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a fair pick. Again, like I said, um, I really, I really agree with that one. Poll question of the day, where do you grade Tiger Woods' performance today? 69% of you say A, 24% say B, and somebody chimed in with D or lower. Um, 
I don't necessarily agree with that. But got two comments as well. Ton comes in. The fact that he's one under after being away for over a year is amazing. I agree. 100% I agree. And then Steve Flint comes in. Out for 508 days, mangled leg, and a bad back. A-plus isn't even high enough. He is inhuman. Hashtag golf goat. Tiger Woods is the man. If he makes the cut, and if he feels good enough to continue playing after making the cut, he's got a shot to win. I really think he does. Tiger's one of those golfers, anytime he is willing to step on that tee box and swing, he's got a shot. He's that good, and he always has been that good. We'll take a timeout here, and when we return, Jay Walker will join us for his weekly Cajuns segment. We'll talk the last two games in Ruston, and we'll get you set for tomorrow's weekend series in Jonesboro, Arkansas. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just washed the hair. You know, I worked on the hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. James always hits my hair. You can experience Festival International like never before. That's right. You can enter to win the game's Festival International prize pack by joining the rewards club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you will get a, the chance to score a pair of Bon Ton passes. Now you're probably asking, what are Bon Ton passes? You're going to get exclusive access to front row and stage areas, shaded seating. You're going to get air-conditioned restrooms. You're never going to have to wait in line for a drink. Shirts, pins, and a poster. Experience Festival International like never before by winning the prize pack from the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Let's talk some Cajuns baseball now. Uh, for lack of better words, they got punched in the mouth Tuesday night by Louisiana Tech. But they responded well last night. They were down 6-1 at one point, score seven in an inning in the top of the sixth, and then they the defense stood strong after the first three to walk out eight to six victors in that one. The man who was calling the game for the Cajuns and who will be calling this weekend's games in Jonesboro, Arkansas, he's the voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker. Jay, good afternoon, bud. How the hell are you? I'm uh, I'm good. I'm standing in a little foyer at the Houlihan's restaurant, which is adjacent to the Embassy Suites, which is where we're staying uh, in Jonesboro. It was the only place I could find that was quiet. So I decided to come into the foyer here so we could uh, visit a little bit. But the, the team bus has just pulled up. The team has just uh, disembarked. Top and I got here about, I guess, about an hour and a half ago. So, so walk, walk me through the last two games in Ruston. You know, obviously Tuesday night, there, there was a couple things that just went wrong in succession to, to put the Cajuns out of reach. 
But then last night, they, they seemed like a group that, that learned how to respond pretty well. What, what, what happened this week? Well, you know, the inconsistency of this Cajun bullpen reared its head on Tuesday. We had a great baseball game for six and a half innings. You know, the, the Cajuns had just uh, taken the lead uh, in the game. And, you know, the, the, the two teams were going back and forth. And, uh, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, Dirk and Bonds had pitched well for the Cajuns. And, you know, you get the, uh, you get the home run to tie the game in the bottom of the seventh. You get a couple of outs and then a walk, a base hit, and a walk and a walk. And now Tech's got the lead, and you bring in uh, the bullpen, and uh, they start walking guys. And, you know, Toit, who had struck out the side uh, against uh, Georgia Southern in the ninth, he comes in, he can't throw a strike. And before you know it, um, you have gift-wrapped a victory to Louisiana Tech. And then yesterday, they'd hoped Havard would get off to a good start. He didn't. It was his fourth bad start in a row. And so they bring in Cooper Rawls, and they bring in Cooper Rawls, who's pitched two innings all year long, and they do it because, you know, you're already down uh, by uh, four runs, and you've got three games coming up this weekend, and you don't want to go through your bullpen. So you give the ball to Rawls, who's hardly pitched at all, hoping that he could eat up a few innings for you. And what does he do? He goes out. And he strikes out 12, and he's going to get nominated to be pitcher of the week. And he gives the, the Cajuns a chance to come back. Uh, and they, they string a bunch of hits together. And, and the kid comes out and finishes the game. And he scatters five hits, and the Cajuns come out with a victory with a most unlikely hero in Cooper Rawls. Now, you brought up Cooper Rawls, who, like you mentioned, seven and two thirds, 12 strikeouts, you know kept the bullpen you know fairly empty most of the night what what do you think took so long i mean it's been over a month since cooper last appeared what 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 well, happened he couldn't get anybody out the first two times he pitched and so you know what happens you go to the back of the bus and you work out your problems in the bullpen and the coaching staff helps you with making some adjustments and, uh, I mean, here's a kid who wasn't even on the travel roster for, for conference play uh, in the past. And you put him out there, you really don't know what you're going to get. You do know he's looked better in the bullpen. And what has happened is his slider has a lot more bite to it. And, um, but can he come in and throw strikes? Can he come in and, and command that slider? Because if he can't, his fastball is very hittable. But he comes out, the sliders got bite, it kept Tech uh, off, uh, off balance. But that, how many times have we brought up the famous Tony Robichaux line, work while you wait? And, uh, you know, I have been wearing, since Tony passed away, a bracelet that says, work while you wait. And to Cooper Rawls' credit, he kept working. And he kept trying to get better. And they gave him an opportunity. He made the most of it. And guess what? He's going to get another opportunity as a result. Chatting with Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns. Jay, Warner Rinconis is a, is a gritty infielder. that, And we knew, we knew of his defensive ability. But the, the question mark on Rinconis was, could he get his bat to come around? 
and, and he struggled with that a little bit at first. But so far in conference play, hitting 294, two RBIs in 17 plate appearances, an on-base percentage of 333. He, he's really been one of the driving forces of, of getting this offense going. Well, he, he had a big two-run single last night. And, you know, he was one for 23 to, to start the season. But one thing that we noticed about Rincones is he wasn't striking out. He wasn't getting overpowered. He was putting the ball in play. He wasn't barreling up too many balls, but he was putting the ball in play. He wasn't striking out. And um, now he's starting to barrel up some pitches, and he's starting to get used to Division One pitching. And, um, you know, I think he's only going to get better. He's an outstanding defensive second baseman. We know that. We've been knowing that. Um, and, you know, now um, he's getting more opportunities. And, you know, he missed that, that week or so because of the tendonitis that he had in his shoulder. If it weren't for that, he probably would have stayed in the lineup the entire time. Um, but, but he's a kid that obviously loves the game. You know, his dad is a hitting coach in, in professional baseball. And um, he's, you know, he's starting to get it done. And he's really starting to become a glue guy for this baseball team. All right, Jay, let's look ahead to this weekend in Jonesboro against Arkansas State. Pitching rotation. Can we expect what we've seen the last couple weekends, Tally Friday, Schultz Saturday, Wilson Sunday? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's what it's going to be. Um, I think it'll be only the first time all year that you've had the, set, the same weekend rotation two weekends in a row. Um, because, look, what happened last week was it worked. You got a quality start out of Tally, a quality start out of Schultz, a tremendous performance out of uh, Wilson. So, yeah, they're going to go out that way again. Um, you know, Arkansas State, I, I'd love to sit here and tell you they're a good ball club. They're not. They've lost 17 out of their last 18. They're 5-21. and 21. But I will tell you this. This is not an easy ballpark to play in. The wind is always blowing here. And if the wind's blowing in, it's hard to score runs. If the wind's blowing out, it's hard to keep the other team from scoring runs. Arkansas State is, has got four or five guys in the lineup that could play with anybody. The problem is they're not a good defensive team. I think their three starting pitchers are okay, but their bullpen is terrible, or at least it has been. But Tommy Raffo, and, and I've been saying this for years, I'm a big fan of Tommy Raffo, their head coach. He gets no support here. He gets no financial support. He's the lowest-paid coach in the Sun Belt Conference. And when April and May come around, Arkansas State always gets better. Always. So for anybody who thinks that the Cajuns are just going to come up here, throw their gloves on the field and take three games, I, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm not going to sit here and try to fool anybody by saying they're a good ball club. They're not. I mean, their record. But they're going to make you play nine innings and you better be ready to play nine innings. Eight of their losses have been by one run. And so they're going out and competing. They're just not winning. So the Cajuns had better be careful. They better, have, they, they better be ready to play because Arkansas State is going to come out and they're going to compete. All right, Jan, I need, I need your advice because one of my guests coming up at 530 is a, is a good friend of yours, Kara uh, Ritchie. Kara, first of all, she is a good friend. 
Uh, I know I'm going to see her this weekend. I'll probably see her later on this evening. But, you know, Kara, I remember when she first started as a co-host in the afternoon, and they were kind of breaking her in. You know, the, the other guy would do the interviews, and they might let Kara ask, like, one question. And now she's got her own radio show two hours every day. I respect her so much as a journalist. Uh, I love her as a friend, and we are friends. We've been friends now for a while. But she's good at what she does, dude. She's an outstanding interviewer. Uh, she does her homework. Uh, she's going to be a great guest uh, for you. And, uh, you know, I, when I had a radio show, I would have her on from time to time. She has me on her radio show on a regular basis. But um, Kara's really good. Uh, I, we are friends. I love her to death. But I really respect her as, uh, as a woman in this business. She's a great baseball fan, which, of course, anybody who's a baseball fan becomes my friend. Um, and she's a big St. Louis Cardinals fan. So if you've got any information about what happened in the game today and you bring that up, That'll be a good icebreaker because she loves her Cardinals. Uh, I was just that was going to lead me into my next question, Jay. What what are your thoughts on this year's MLB season? Well, I mean, I know you're a Dodgers fan, and I'll forgive you for I'm, that. I'm just, but. I, you know, let me t- let me tell you what was great. Okay, we leave and we stop in uh, North Little Rock, and Top and I go to a place called the Wild Hog Cafe. It's a barbecue place in North Little Rock. We have lunch. We get back in the car. We still got another two hours to go. And we turn on and we hear the Cubs and the Brewers and we're listening to baseball on the radio. And that means all is right with the world. (laughs) And um, so I'm glad the season's here. I I really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I think the Braves might be better than they were a year ago. Um, the That's team scary. that I thought would be really good in the American League last year fell a bit toward the end, but watch the White Sox. Um, I think they're going to be a very good club this year. and the um, So, yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad baseball's here, and I'm looking forward to watching a lot of it. Jay Walker has been our guest. Jay, I appreciate you taking the time each and every Thursday. Uh, have a great weekend in Jonesboro, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks so much. Appreciate you. The Jay Bird, Jay Walker. Let's take a timeout right here, and when we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one and get you set up for hour number two. Got plenty to talk about in that 5 o'clock hour. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Had a rough day at work. Got lady problems. Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo has returned. And the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, has free tickets for you. Text ANGOLA to 68683. Once again, ANGOLA to 68683. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 23rd and 24th, and you can see all the excitement from bull riding, wild horse racing, and convict poker. Yes, Kevin Foote still doesn't know what convict poker is. Text ANGOLA to 68683 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo 
courtesy of Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. It's crunch time with me guys in mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. James, going back to our poll question yesterday, favorite golf movie of all time. Did you happen to go home and watch Ten Cup last night? No, I did not. I know you weren't able either, but I'm guessing you're going to watch it tonight. That's that's my plan. That's my plan. Um, I, I got tied down with the Cajuns softball game going 13 innings <laughs> last night. Yeah, you kept texting us, like, when is this game going to end? 13 innings. Uh, but look, going back to the poll question from yesterday, I'm looking at some more uh, comments. Uh, one guy commented, 10 cups should definitely be on the list, but I'm honestly astonished that Caddyshack's not running away with the vote. A lot of voters must not ever watched Caddyshack yet. That's the only explanation. Absolutely right. <laughs> that That is a true statement. <laughs> you're, you're I, have seen, I have seen Caddyshack. I have not. And I am a fan of Caddyshack. However... Did Caddyshack feature Adam Sandler? No, it didn't. Therefore, not the best golf movie of all time. <laughs> you want a piece of me, Bob? <laughs> oh, man. I love me some Happy Gilmore. Speaking of poll questions, though, let's take a look at today's poll question. Where do you grade Tiger Woods' performance? 71% say A, 23% say B. And then somebody must have just felt like being funny. We've got one vote, or two votes, actually, for D or lower. How? How would you grade Tiger Woods' performance today, D or lower? The man hasn't played golf in 15 months. Let's remind you that 15 months ago, he nearly died. Was it by his own doing? Sure. But the man nearly died. And... Once they realized that he wasn't going to die, he almost lost his leg, too. And now, 15 months later, he's walking one of the most aggressive golf courses in in terms of landscape in the world. The Masters, Augusta is not an easy golf course to walk. I would have to guess either the person misread what the question was saying or it was a misclick. Because I know I've done that quite a few times. The, the, the fact that he is playing is an A-plus performance. Much less playing pretty well. The dude almost hit an eagle earlier. I think it was 13. One hole 13. He almost hit an eagle. If Tiger Woods makes the cut, that's a storybook. If he wins this, oh, dude, they're making a movie. They're going to make a movie out of it. Second person ever to get two green jackets, six green jackets. They would make a movie out of it. Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas. I'm a Tiger fan, so I'm rooting for it. However, you know, some some people aren't. But anyways, 
Uh, take a quick look at the Masters leaderboard. You got a three-way tie for first between Cameron Smith, Dustin Johnson, and Sung J M. Johnson and M still on the course, so we'll see how that finishes up over the next, you know, next hour. Hour number one in the books. Come back for hour number two here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two, crunch time with me guys and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. As a reminder, phone lines are open 706-0111. Here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. I really got to know, man, why, why are people saying that Tiger Woods' performance today was a D? I got somebody on Facebook saying that it was a D. I need to know why y'all feel this way. Again, the man couldn't walk just a few months ago. He's swinging a golf club. It's incredible. I mean, yeah, one under for a pro golfer, that's not something they're typically proud of. However, given the circumstances, Tiger should be very pleased with with his performance in round number one, James, you got to agree with me. Yeah, he did. He did really well. I didn't, I don't know the exact. I don't know his exact score off top. I don't have the scores with me. He shot a one but, under. Yeah, that's that's good. And he, and how how many holes are they on? They're all, is he on like hole sixteen right now? He's done. Oh oh, there he finished. Yeah, he's done. Yeah, but still going negatives for the day. That's good. It's not. I it's mean, not three or four under, but. He's still in the top 20, isn't he? I remember when we were yeah, talking about earlier, he was tied for 20th. He's tied for 10th. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, what more do you want after day one? And how many How many people are playing? 50? Um, no, 100? There's probably 100, yeah. He's if in not, the 10th percentile. If, if not more. After being in a car accident. What do you want from him? Right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm screaming. Um, the guy that is in dead last is in 90th. But you also have to realize with people being tied at different spots. I don't know. There's probably 100 to 150 golfers playing in the Masters this weekend. But again, 10th place after day one when, again, he wasn't walking very well six months ago. Two months ago, he was quoted saying that he wasn't sure if he could walk a golf course for 18 holes. And he just finished round one of the Masters. Tied for 10th. Give the man a break. Changing the subject. Astros, opening day. They're in Los Angeles to play the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. First pitch, another two-minute drill said 8.38. It has been pushed back. First pitch is now at 9.04 p.m. So if you're an Astros fan like I am, Get you get you an energy drink, you know, make you an extra pot of of double caffeinated coffee, and you know we'll we'll, we'll hang out and, and have some fun 
9-0-4 first pitch. Their first eight games of the year are on the road, and they're all on the West Coast. That is a struggle. Absolute struggle. I mentioned earlier Cajuns softball was a 13-inning game last night in the Battle of I-10 with the Cajuns and the Cowgirls of McNeese. And it was a good game. Uh, You know, it was... But it was one of those games where Louisiana really did everything they could to keep McNeese... And to keep giving them opportunities. I mean, perfect example. Bottom of the sixth, Cajuns are up three to one. Bottom of the sixth, then a seven seven inning game, and you're up two runs. You think you're going to put that one in the bag? No, you give up two. Tie the game. Goes to extras. Zero zero all the way to the eleventh. Cajuns score two in the eleventh. So now you're up five three. Again, you only need three outs. You think you'd get it done. You got them down to their last strike. They score two runs. Tie the game again. And then they get the other one in the bottom of the 13th. Cajuns getting five runs on 14 hits. They do commit four errors. McNeese six runs on six hits, committing two errors. Jill Poulard was the difference maker for the Cowgirls in this one. If I remember correctly, I'm going to pull up the box score real quick. Uh, Jill Poulard. She went two for five, two RBIs. She had a home run and an RBI double. And then she was intentionally walked in the 13th. She came up to the plate with runners on first and second, and they intentionally walked her to load the bases because they didn't want to pitch to her. And why would you? After the game she had, you you definitely wouldn't want to pitch to her. Uh, Megan Shorman did appear twice for Louisiana. Kendra Lamb and Sam Landry also making appearances in this game. Stormy Kotzelnik going to the plate seven times last night for Louisiana. Maddie Hayden, Jordan Campbell, and Ari Quinos going three times. I mean, six times, excuse me. The three of them going six times to the plate. So after the loss, softball for the Cajuns falls to 20 and, 23 and 10. They will come back to Lafayette to Yvette Girard Field at Lanson Park for a three-game series with Troy tomorrow at 6, Saturday at 2, Sunday at 12. And then for McNeese, they improved to... I do know that they continued their win streak. It is now at 11 games. They improved to 22 and 14 on the year, 17 and 7 in the confines of Joe Miller Field at Cowgirl Diamond. This weekend, they will be home again. They will play three games against Southeastern, 6 o'clock Friday, and then a doubleheader Saturday at 1 and 3. Next Tuesday, they will stay at home to host Houston. Coming up at 5.15, Robin Fambro of the Advocate in Baton Rouge. We'll talk about that NIL deal between 
the LHSAA and its high school athletes. High school athletes will now be able to profit off of name, image, and likeness deals. Also of note, while we're on the subject of NIL, a press release was sent out today from the University of Louisiana. Louisiana Athletics launches a new NIL education and brand management program for their student-athletes titled Ultra. It is a new name, image, and likeness education program designed to position UL's more than 400 student-athletes for success in the NIL space. With the help of local branding agency Brand Russo, student-athletes will be equipped with the tools and knowledge they need to acquire NIL deals while also meeting compliance standards. And we have a statement from Vice President for Intercollegiate Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard. As the NIL space continues to evolve and become more competitive, we knew it was important to educate our student-athletes while assisting them with personal brand development and management. With Ultra, we have created a platform that will leverage ties within the local community to provide NIL opportunities for our student-athletes. I'm grateful to Brand Russo for their support and expertise as we start this exciting new program for Louisiana Athletics. James, I have a question for you. I want your input here on the LHSAA NIL thing. Do you think high school athletes should be making money on their quote-unquote brand? Are we going to get, with the next year, are we going to have middle schoolers do it too? (laughs) I mean, it's it's starting to trend that way. I mean, man. I mean, you see, I guess go get money, but it's just like high I was, schoolers. I, I was, mean, I was fine with the NCAA doing it because I was gonna say it makes sense because you're damn near a I have a said professional athlete. I have said for years there is nothing amateur about the NCAA anymore, nothing. So I was, I was fine with with college athletes being able to make their money, but dude, high school kids. That that's a little excessive. That that's drawing a line for me. I I just and, and you know that that's the good thing about bringing on Robin Van Bro. She's going to be able to explain it a little better than I can. I just I just find this way over the top and way too way too excessive. Because I mean, some people think that college athletes getting paid is excessive. So imagine how they feel about high schoolers. That and at some point there's got to be a cap on all of this because you've got high you got college athletes making millions of dollars a year off of NIL deals. That's way too excessive. There's got to you know the NFL has a salary cap, the NBA has a salary cap. You need to put a cap on NIL because otherwise. Smaller schools like your UL's, like your McNeese's, like your, you know, Southeastern's and Nichols, they're not going to get any kids because all these kids are going to go where the money is. Any any four star recruit that the UL or somebody else has a chance to get, if they're fighting with a Miami or a you know Arizona State or those kids are picking those schools every time because they're going to get more money. So there's got to come a point where lines have to be drawn on 
how much money these kids can profit off of their brand. Again, I was an advocate for NIL. I'm fine with it. But there's a line. High school kids getting NIL money kind of crosses that line for me. Let's take a time out here. Robin Fambro of The Advocate in Baton Rouge will join us in the next segment. She will bring you every piece of information that you need to know on this new LHSAA deal for NIL. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 7th, 1963. At the age of 23, Jack Nicholas wins the first of his record six green jackets with a three-foot par putt on the final hole of the Masters to finish one stroke ahead of Tony Lima. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in tonight to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. The Houston Astros open up the 2022 season on the road against the Los Angeles Angels. First pitch is set for 9.04, and you can listen to Robert Ford and Steve Sparks on the call right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Crunch time with me, guys, in Mesh, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We talked about NIL a little bit last segment with UL's new collective announcement. However, now it's time to focus to the announcement made by the LHSAA. The, the the NIL, I don't even know what the right term for it is, partnership, I guess, with Ecker Sports. Here to break it all down, Robin Fambro of The Advocate in Baton Rouge. Robin, good afternoon. How are you? Oh, doing well. How about, I uh, hope you guys are doing well also. Absolutely. Now, you see, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. This sounds a whole. This this really isn't my my wheelhouse, and this sounds like a whole lot of gibberish to me, and and I'm sure it does for a lot of our listeners as well. So just kind of walk us through, you know, what this announcement means for the LHSAA. Well, basically, you can't regulate NIL. I mean, what happened? What transpired legally that caught everybody off guard last year is you you. Really, I think the decision is you can't effectively ban it. I think there are a couple of state associations that want to do that, and I believe one has already been sued over it. It's it's a right that, you know, a judge ruled that student-athletes have. They have control of their name, image, and likeness. And um, what this provides is it's an educational base. There are... <clears throat> This company provides a series of modules from the athletic director's perspective, school administrator's perspective, student-athlete and coach, parents, answers questions that they might have about going through the process. Say somebody approaches your kid, uh, one example they cited was they have had multiple state epidemiologists reach out to them and say, hey, could we have so-and-so from XYZ High School do a public service announcement for us about vaccines? Could we give them money for that? And the correct answer, according to Eddie Bonin, is yes. That would fall under this purview. And then you could have other things where you'd have, like, a top athlete who would get an NIL deal like you see with the college athletes now, where if they put them on billboards 
or they make appearances or they do things like that. One of the things that <clears throat> the LHSAA is leery of, and I and this goes with the schools too, I'm sure, is you have people coming to these families and these athletes saying, hey, we want you to do this. Well, it's not free money. It's money, but it's not free money if you get it. Uh, I believe the threshold they talked about yesterday is if you make over $600 off of it, you would have to file a 1099 tax form. And, you know, their question is there may be plenty of people out there who do not realize it. They may think it's tax-free money, and it's not. So after a certain amount, you have to take that into consideration. Um, You know, they haven't really broached the thing about what would happen with, say, this person wants to bring, wants to offer an NIL to this person, and there are already people talking about what colleges do. This right now is a grassroots level try to help people learn about what NIL is, and they'll expand it as you have more knowledge and more things, more precedents that are set so that you'll kind of know what is, you know, what's on the curve. It's basically trying to stay ahead of it rather than what the NCAA and other people have been, you know, people have talked about is they basically buried their head in the sand and said, you know, no, we're not going to deal with it. You do it. So part of the plan that they would have (laughs) to help the LHSAA would be to you have a foundation at the top, and in theory, people, if you're a school, you tell so-and-so, whether it's a car dealership or whoever it might be, they're interested in doing an NIL, say with your baseball team or with so-and-so, Joe Blow. Okay, you would they would register with the foundation, or they would, you know, be logged in there, be part of that, and that would allow them to also do philanthropic things like work with charities, whatever else there may be in that, that realm. And then, of course, the option that would come up more often maybe for some would be when you'd have an athlete, an individual athlete that they want to contract with. But if all of that is under one roof or if most of it is under one roof and they stress that you can't really force anybody to do that, you can't force somebody to do that but i think if the schools say no we really want we really want to know what's going on with our athletes or you know um and i think schools will know if somebody's approached about an nil that there's going to be a way of kind of knowing what's going on rather than just saying hey you know so-and-so over there is getting this and uh so-and-so else is not uh one of the other things that i thought was interesting and we we know this from what's transpired over the last year with college stuff is that everybody talks about top athletes getting NILs and they do, but the ones who generally make the most NIL money are those who have massive social media followings. You know, like uh, there's a university of little wide receiver who's a walk on who makes six figures because he's got several million uh, TikTok followers and there's a gymnast at LSU who uh, has done quite well in the NILs. She's got, uh, I think, uh, over a million followers on different platforms. So it's, it's, the whole thing is valued differently than you think it is. And, and you know, this whole thing is, is really still developing. And I think this is just a way to try to stay ahead of it instead of being run over by it. Now, 
you know, one, one thing that, that people have been concerned about with NIL, and I'm all for, you know, staying ahead of the curve, like you mentioned, but one thing that, that people have been kind of weary of with NIL is, and, and I've also been wary of this, is athletes making too much money off of this, especially. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, and that's going to be interesting because, you know, right now you can't cap that. I, that's that's one of the things that, that I guess the schools and everybody else will have to go through. I mean, you know, one of the things that they talked about is you have a couple of athletes, I think, in a couple of different parts of the state that are already being featured on billboards, video billboards. Yeah, that, that kind of went high school, in. High school athletes. That kind of led into my next question. You know, do do the LHSA or individual schools have a plan on placing a cap on this, or you know how? I don't think they. Can, I don't think they can place a cap on it. I don't think you can do that as it stands now because you would be limiting a right that they were given by a judge to earn money, capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. That's one of the things that uh, my boss pointed out to me today is Louisiana was one of the states, you know, it was forward-thinking. They passed an NIL law last year, and several states did. But as the thing has evolved, uh, I think right now the conventional wisdom is some of the ones that didn't hurry up and pass the law may be in a little better shape than those who did because, again, the parameters of this are evolving. Randy Ecker, the the president of Ecker Sports, he uh-huh. he said in the in the presentation today or yesterday yes, that yesterday, yeah. the NIL is the most disruptive force in sports in the last twenty years. Do Do you agree with that? Uh, I do to a certain degree because it's impacting sports on all levels. Usually, there's a trickle down effect starts on the pro level and it kind of is with college right now but it's it's a very very different thing for something that usually what colleges deal with is is quite a bit different than what you have with high schools this is they're going to be dealing potentially with some of the same issues and it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all if you're a school in a small community you may have a business or businesses who are or an individual who wants to engage in NILs, that's different than being in a metropolitan area where you might have multiple businesses or multiple entities. Uh, High schools have never had to deal with anything like this. Colleges have never had to deal with anything like this. You know, it's it's very, uh, very, very different. And again, the... the, the, um, how you deal with it and, and how it's evolving seems to be changing daily and weekly. We're going to be learning about this more. They, they approved a position statement today, which is basically saying being uh, you can pursue name, image, and likeness opportunities, but you have to stay within the established guidelines for amateurism that are in the LHSA's handbook. And... They believe the way it is now, you can do that. That shouldn't be a problem. Now, what they don't ensure is that by doing that, you're going to be okay with the NCAA or NAIA or some other group. You know, and um, <clears throat> what they're what they're hoping to do is to provide information on what student athletes need to do. Say, like, if you need to 
uh, get an accountant involved. Or as one of the executive committee members said, if he had an athlete come to him uh, saying, or an uh, athlete or a parent, he would tell them to go get an attorney. And, you know, they're going to offer some advice on best ways to do that or best avenues. Just provide information of what people are doing or have done so far with NIL. Robin Fambro of The Advocate in Baton Rouge. Now, I hope that all makes sense. No, it, it absolutely does, and, and, I, and I appreciate you taking the time. I have one more question for you before I let you run, though. Sure. Uh, how, how quickly could you see this being enacted? Like, could I know there's there's a handful of athletes that have already you know secured some NIL deals at the high school ranks, but like widespread, would it be by the fall? Would it take a little longer than that? Where do you think, think that stands? Hard, I think it's hard to say. I think it's hard to say. I mean, I think it depends on where you're located. I think it depends on uh, for some athletes high profile they are. Some groups are going if you're looking for an NIL based on social media stuff, you may be looking, instead of for, as, as he noted, and I think this is correct, instead of looking necessarily for a great athlete, you may be looking for somebody who has a personality or a presence on social media to promote things. Yeah, that, that's, that's definitely a huge factor and, of and, it. And, 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 obviously, and obviously, if you got both, that's, that's winner, winner, chicken dinner, I guess. I don't know, but that's... You know, it's kind of a cliche I just used, but that's it's it's again they it's going to be hard to say, and I think schools are going to be watching it very carefully because I think that's one thing I would be worried about. You know, uh, one of my things with NIL was initially last year when it started in the college ranks is well, great, you know, the rich, you know, the the, the top athletes get rich, and everybody else is just kind of left. That's why I like the guy who was a health club uh, owner in Miami who told uh, the University of Miami he wanted the football team. And they said, the football team says, yeah. I think the guy gave $10,000 to everybody on the football team. Interesting. So, yeah. And and different people do it different ways. I mean, that's the whole thing. This isn't a one-size-fits-all. And I could see you could have a business if you have a team – like a baseball team or a basketball team or somebody that you think might win a title, we want an NIL with that team. Uh, we want you to be able to come to our supermarket to make an appearance, you know, depending on where it is or whatever. You know, I, it, there's the possibilities here are limitless, and I don't think we're going to know what they are. It, it may take this whole entire next year. I think we're still going to be figuring it out this time next year. Robin Fanbro. I, I hope I'm wrong of the advocate in Baton Rouge has been our guest. Robin, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and giving us that insight on, on this new NIL deal. And uh, as high school football gets a little bit closer, we'll talk to you down the line. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. We'll take a time out. When we come back, Kara Ritchie of the Ticket Radio Network in Jonesboro, Arkansas, will join us, preview the Red Wolves baseball team ahead of this weekend's series between the Cajuns and Arkansas State. This is the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. 
Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. MLB opening day is here, and right now, all customers can swing for the fences with a risk-free same-game parlay on FanDuel Sportsbook. Just pick any MLB game and combine at least three bets. One that I see right now that I like is Mike Trout recording a hit, Jose Altuve to have at least two total bases, Shohei Otani to hit a home run, and Otani to also have at least four and a half strikeouts. And if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel will refund you up to $10 in site credit. Not sure what to bet on? Check out FanDuel's popular same-game parlay section to see what most fans are betting on and get on the action risk-free. There's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook. Head over to your FanDuel account or download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code KLWB to bet your risk-free same-game parlay today. That's promo code KLWB. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issues non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys. and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles. We've got Kara Ritchie on the line, but before we get to her, I've got to say something real quick. i got like a minute. We have a hater on, on social media, James. Yeah, I saw him. Oh man, that we, that one, that one got my blood boiling. We posted your mock draft, and, and and somebody comments, "Thank God you guys don't run the team." Number nineteen for Cooks, maybe a fourth, a first round pick for a washed up concussed player. Didn't know a thousand yard receiver was considered in, in, washed in two straight years. The last two years he's gone a thousand. The only and there's only been two years that he hasn't gone over a thousand. His rookie season in New Orleans, and then his last season in LA that he spent most of the year hurt. And I never said it was straight up first for Cooks. Never, never said that. You could easily get a fourth or a fifth in return, but getting a fourth for a thousand yard receiver, haters, you all hate. It's you people like that that. The Saints will never get a deal done. So why are you worried about me running the team? It's a good thing you aren't running the team. Haters going to hate. Exactly. Every time. But I get it. I get it. Kara Ritchie from the Ticket Sports Network in Jonesboro, Arkansas, host of the Workday Red Zone every weekday from 12 to 2, joins us on the game hotline to talk some Arkansas State Red Wolves baseball. Kara, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing well. First, I got to ask you, how's the weather in Jonesboro? Um, this weekend is not going to be the best weekend for baseball. It's going to be a little bit chilly, actually. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, we had some heavy storms, I guess, yesterday morning, and it hasn't quite warmed back up yet. There's even uh, a chance of like a whisper of snow flurries tomorrow morning. So I, I don't think it's very likely, but the high tomorrow probably only about 50 Kind of the same thing for Saturday, Sunday, beautiful, glorious, wonderful baseball weather, but uh, definitely hoodie weather Friday and Saturday. Interesting. I wish we had that down in, in South Louisiana. It's it's currently about 80. Um, so uh, pretty pretty warm down here. And, and before I dive deep into the Arkansas State questions, I got to tell you about 30 minutes ago, I, I interviewed Jay Walker. Okay. And, and, and Jay complimented you up and down, left and right, about being one of the best journalists in the business. 
So well, I'll, I'll give you Jay I'll give is, you the opportunity to stroke Jay's ego. Um, I will tell you that Jay is just as full of it as always, and he's uh, he's <laughs> wonderful, and I I appreciate that compliment. All right, let's talk some Red Wolves baseball. Five and twenty-one on the year, not a great record. But looking at some of y'all, some of the losses, eight of them have been by one run. So th- this team ha- has been close numerous times, just can't quite find a way to to come across victorious. What can you tell me about this team? There's just kind of struggles all over. Uh, this team has struggled to get the clutch hit in key situations. This team has struggled to find the strike zone. This team has struggled to make uh, both the tough play defensively and the routine play defensively. And usually, you know, a a team can survive if you're deficient in one of those areas. You can win some games if you're deficient in two of those areas. It's a real struggle when you have issues kind of just in every single possible aspect of the game. Um, That is why the record looks like it does. I will say, you know, in terms of of a positive, um, despite the fact that this team has already had one 13-game losing streak on the season, um, you're not really – when you look in that dugout, you don't look like – you don't look like you're watching a, like a beleaguered team, a downtrodden team. They're still in it until the end. I think there's a feeling that, you know, they just need one or two things to go their way and maybe they can start stacking up some wins. But uh, so far that has not been the case. Looking at the hitting statistics, Daedric Kaylee is the leading average guy with 333. Uh, Jalen DeShazer at 308. But Jared Toller statistically seems to be the guy for this team a 270 batting average 24 base hits five doubles six homers 20 rbis a slugging percentage of 528 how has he been able to kind of carry this team offensively well he's been the guy who's been able to come up the biggest in those clutch situations um one issue that a state has had this season is um you know when you've got those runners in scoring position uh, A-State has been really good about getting the sacrifice fly, but not the big hits. And when there has been, though, those big hits that have came through and really helped this team, it seems like Toller has just consistently been the guy at the plate that's, that's been able to deliver. And, you know, it, it, it's even more interesting because, you know, he's he's 270 on the year and leading the team in home runs and RBIs. But if you look at his conference statistics, he's only hitting 115 in the Sun Belt. Yeah, it's been uh, kind of a midweek superstar. Um, there just really has not been very many guys that have just been consistent game in and game out. You'll have some bright spots, and then we'll go into a little bit of a swoon. But, uh, but you know, he has had his moments. Um, they just haven't seemed to come as much on the weekend. Chatting with Kara Ritchie of the Ticket Radio Network in Jonesboro, Arkansas, Looking at pitching statistics now, talk to me about Justin Medlin, a 4.0 ERA. He's 0-1 for on the year in three appearances, 20 hits, only 10 runs. He struck out 19 guys. He he seems to be the leader of this bullpen, right? Well, he's a, he's a Friday night guy, so he's the, the leading starter. And he's kind of turned into what I think of as like a death and taxes guy. You've got death, you've got taxes, you've got... Justin Medlin with a quality start because that's what he does. He's not going to go out there and and overpower anybody, but um, he's just been so incredibly consistent, and consistent pitching this year has been hard to find for Arkansas State. So he's going to go out there, you know, um, a lefty. He's not got just a super, super overpowering fastball, but 
He's got um, a good changeup. He'll throw a, a slider that's his put-away pitch. And he's also kind of a guy that, that can do it all. Um, in addition to being the Friday night guy, and he's been in the weekend rotation all season, uh, but uh, last weekend he actually started at uh, DH on Saturday and Sunday. And then I think Tuesday I saw him playing first base coach. So I really think this dude can absolutely do it all. <laughs> that's fantastic. Looking at the, the coaching staff, Tommy Raffo, is the head coach, and he he's been there a while. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, talking talking with Jay Walker, he said that that he's one. Tommy Raffo is one of his favorite coaches in the Sun Belt. The problem is, is that he just doesn't get the support that he needs. I would agree with that. Um, there's been a lot of conversations recently about Arkansas State and the resources or the lack of that that have been put into the program probably over the past decade or so. Um, I, I think it's pretty generally well known that if you're going around the Sun Belt Conference, which of course is a phenomenal base com- a phenomenal baseball conference, that if you're kind of ranking the stadiums, that Tomlinson Stadium, Kelfield, uh, would be at the bottom or, or really close to it, uh, and will probably continue to be close to the bottom of those rankings when the league expands as well. In addition to that, one of the situations that is that has kind of been a, a struggle the past few years is bringing in quality assistance because um, it is not a super high-paying position. So A-State in recent years has has lost guys to what you would kind of consider to be peer schools for not that much of a, of a salary increase, but just some numbers that they couldn't meet. So that's been frustrating to get uh, steady guys in there as assistants. But um, recently A-State has had an administration change. They've started to uh, look at how they resource the program, and A-State made a big hire in the offseason in pitching coach Alan Dunn, who previously was at LSU. He's had time in, in Major League Baseball. He's really, really good at what he does. They were just kind of starting from a, a, a rough point. Kara Ritchie from the Ticket Radio Network joins us. Kara, talk to me about a couple players that, that might not you know, stand out on the stat sheet but Cajuns fans should should learn their names before this weekend. Well, one guy that I've been watching over the past couple of weeks um, that really gets my attention is is Mickey Coyne. And Mickey Coyne, actually, uh, I think they started out the first couple of games of the season and using him as a pitcher and didn't have quite as much success there. But he actually, if you go back to uh, the Tuesday before last, he delivered the game-winning hit for Arkansas State Baseball. And, and only time this team has got to win it about the past month, and it was uh, – extra inning uh, walk-off win against Central Arkansas. He hit the game winner, and he's been in the lineup ever since. And in that stretch, he's upped his batting average from 182 to 293. So he is significantly hot at the plate right now. So that's going to be a guy uh, to keep your eye on. But then also for the future, right now the entire middle of the Red Wolves infield are a couple of true freshmen, and you've got – Will French at shortstop. You've got Daedric Kale at second. And so there's been a couple of growing pains there uh, defensively with those guys, but Daedric Kale has really adjusted quickly to Division One pitching. And, and I'm not sure about the statistics right now. For, for quite a while this season, he has led all freshmen in the Sun Belt in batting average, though. And at, at 3.33 there as a true freshman, there's certainly no complaints. Absolutely. That's the, the fact that he's – I, I read his statistics and thought that he was probably – a junior or a senior, the fact that he's a true freshman is is incredibly impressive. Yeah, it is. Um, there's been, you know, I think those numbers will continue to, to be the same, if not maybe even increase. One of the things with Kale is he's 
playing at second base, and that's not the position he played in high school. So he's a little out of position. He's trying to do things defensively that he's not that accustomed to. And um, obviously that has not got him out of sync at the plate. But you do wonder if he just continues, as he continues to get more comfortable, if you'll continue to see gains um, both defensively and offensively as well. It's, it's certainly possible. Kara Ritchie from the Ticket Radio Network has been our guest. Kara, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm sure you'll hang out with Jay Walker at some point this weekend, so enjoy doing that. And uh, we'll talk to you down the line. All right, will do. Thanks for having me on, guys. We'll see you. Kara Ritchie, before we take a break, the Hangout Music Fest is returning this summer to Gulf Shores in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. Score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan Thee Stallion, just to name a few. Hangout Music Fest, May 22nd to 20, May 20th to 22nd in Gulf Shores. Win your VIP passes from the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll wrap it up right after this. Today is the day that you join the Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free, enter to win tremendous free gifts. Do you want a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's at Cyber's Bayou? You can only score that gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse Rewards at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. James, when do they need to go sign up? Today, thank you. Right now, if you have a chance, even. absolutely. If you're unless you're, you're unless you're unless you are in a car and you are driving, easy. it's very easy. One hundred three seven thegamecom Click on the Clubhouse Rewards button. Enter a couple of pieces of basic information. Bam, you're done. Quick and easy. Um, we're getting attacked on social media. I'm trying to comment, and I don't want, but I don't want to comment under. Apparently, the game a, a receiver that has gone over a thousand yards six out of eight years in his career. Is washed up and not worth the first round pick. I don't think you understand what washed means because he said because he said apparently it's washed if it's a first rounder. It's not how being washed works, but nice try. I, I'm confused on how you've come to that conclusion. I, I just people he, he what what was said is that they wouldn't give up a first round pick for Cooks because he's washed up. What more do you want out of a receiver other than consistently getting 1,000 yards? Again, eight years in the league, he's gotten 1,000 yards or more six times. The only two times he didn't were his rookie season and then a year that he spent half of it hurt. Like, like what, what more do you want out of res- Consistency is key in the NFL. He is consistent. I mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with giving up one of our two first-round picks for him. But if that's I'm not the, say, if that's I'm the not, asking, I'm, I'm not, not going to say saying, no to it. I'm not saying it would be a straight-up trade. I'm saying you can also grab another pick from it. Do you not want another pick? Guess not. You also don't want a receiver either, I guess. Oof. Big thanks to Jay Walker for taking the time to join us today. Big thanks to Robin Fambro from the Advocate in Baton Rouge for joining us as well. Kara Ritchie from the Ticket Radio Network in Jonesboro. Tomorrow is the Friday Fun Show. We know y'all are ready for that one. It's going to be a good time. So come back. Same time, same show, same great station. For James Mesh, Matt Miguez, be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. We'll talk to y'all tomorrow. This is The Game 1037 Lafayette. 
1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.